Live at Studio B, Bowser Chevrolet in Monroeville. It is time for Wednesday with Doug Whaley. Doug joining us remotely on the Fan Hotline, presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Doug, good morning, man. Where do you find yourself on this fine Wednesday? I find myself in South Lake, Texas. And if anybody is uh, um, astute in Texas football, it's South Lake Carroll High School is about five minutes from my hotel. Didn't that uh, isn't that where uh, Scott Chandler go to high school? The tight end from Buffalo. Yes, I believe so. Yes, that there there is a, a litany of highly successful football players that have come out of this high school, and actually, this really the state of Texas. But uh, when they talk about football being a religion you will definitely find it here in Texas because they, I had, I, we have a, I went to a stadium, a football stadium that was built in 1987. So I was a junior in high school and you could put that in any of our districts right now. And you'd be like, this is the best high school football stadium. They have a two deck wow. press box. They have four locker rooms. They have uh, four training rooms and they have the luxury suite boxes at, at the stadium. And it was built in 1987. So you know exactly what football means here in Texas. Doug, you know what? This actually brings up a good question that just came to my mind. Like, as a GM, will you pay attention to high school players at all? Like, I know that you're, you know, you're scouting, obviously, college players. You're scouting the draft and who's going to – but is there a portion of your time that you're like, you know what, I'm in Texas. I'm in South Lake, Texas. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm far away from whatever college that you might be, but – I'm here. Let me go check out, you know, one of the best players in high school and see what maybe can come down the pipe in a couple of years. I, I, you would do more just for the enjoyment of the sport because there's just so much that could happen between high school to college. Now, what you really do is kind of start when you start looking at people's character and, and their resumes or where they come from, you kind of start noticing certain high schools that produce players and produce players with certain uh, attributes that you like. And one of them is like a South Lake Carroll or a Bishop Gorman out of UNLV. So you really don't look at players, but you really notice, hey, and when you're looking at a guy, he's from this area or from this high school, all right, then, then he's got a nice base of, of football knowledge and um, knowing what that they produce highly skilled football players from that high school. Former Steelers kicker Chris Brown, a South Lake Carroll graduate, Doug. I bet yeah. you you didn't know that, and except it sounds well, like you did. I, I, sounds yeah, like you I did. I was at the Steelers that time, yep. Chase Daniel, Greg McElroy, also uh, quarterbacks that came from South Lake Carroll in Texas. So speaking of backup quarterbacks there, Doug, <laughs> uh, if the Steelers aren't going to try to make a big how splash. I that into you guys and you didn't even notice. See how how about that, that, buddy? That is Radio 101 right there. So the Steelers, it doesn't sound like with Dulax reporting and some of the stuff that he said uh, and some of the other guys that we've talked to, that the Steelers are going to try to make a big splash in terms of acquiring a quarterback this offseason. So when looking at backups that could provide legitimate competition for Kenny Pickett, two guys that Dorn and I mentioned, Doug, that I want your thoughts on. Trey Lance trying to swing a trade for Dallas uh, to bring Trey Lance in here for competition. Or or Doran brings up Mac Jones uh, if the Patriots part ways with him. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if first of all, does that surprise you that they're not going to make a big swing at quarterback? Obviously, no. it, exactly. And, and, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing because 
they had their foundation and it was really when they signed Arthur Smith, everybody should have known like, hey, listen, this is just going to be an upgrade of what their philosophy is. And to me, what the right routes you're thinking now is probably more in line of what they're going to do. With that said, and, and, and on that thought process, to me, Trey Lance gets me a little more excited because it brings a dynamic to the offense that they don't really have now. Kenny is mobile, but he's not a threat. Now, to bring in that threat, which Coach Tomlin has been on record saying this is something that he puts a lot of emphasis on and really enjoys and, and likes is that threat of a quarterback running because it stretches the defense, stresses the defense, excuse me. So someone like that and also his age, being very young, still kind of new to the league, get him in the system. And you can actually start having dedicated packages for him. So you can start throwing, and I'm not saying have a two-quarterback system, but in certain situations, bring in Trey Lance, run some uh, some some really quarterback-driven run plays and or put him out on the edge given the run pass options and putting some stress on the defense and now it's two things it gives you that all uh, that extra threat but it also takes time away from the defensive coordinator to actually have to prepare for him so that's those uh, a little thing like that can throw a wrinkle into an offense that puts a defensive coordinator on his heels or thinking in a different way and that may help one or two plays that can swing a game. So to me, Trey Lance, I would put over Mac Jones. Now, Doug, if they are, and it sounds like they are again, content on having Kenny Pickett be the guy next year, win whatever competition there may be next year. As a general manager, when you hire a new offensive coordinator and you are implementing an entirely new offensive system, what were you always expecting for how quickly a quarterback could pick that up and start not having to think out there. Well, uh, you, you would right now, I would hope that Kenny and Arthur are talking daily. Arthur sending him clips. Arthur already has the playbook in his hands. They are talking daily. And a lot of it is just terminology. And Dorn, you've been, you, you know, this as well. Football's been around for over 100-plus years. There's nothing really new in, all, in, in football. It's just how you call the, the plays and the terminology. So I think Kenny's been around, what, third year. He's been around football long enough. He played so many years in college. He knows the basis of just offense philosophy. He's just got to get comfortable with the terminology. So you, take, you get him ingrained right now having meetings every day. By the time they get on the field for OTAs, he should be ready to be able to function in that offense at a high clip, not to the clip where you want him to be during the regular season, but a high enough clip where you where he feels comfortable directing that offense and getting people in the right place and putting the ball to the right people when it needs to be to them. 
Doug, do GMs do they do they want to or need to know like in depth offenses and defenses? Like, all right, you bring in Arthur Smith. Like, does a GM want to know like okay, like this guy likes to do this, this guy likes to do that, or is it just baseline? Like, do you want to know like what offense you're going to expect uh, game in and game out, or what defense you're going to expect game in and game out, or do you just kind of what you're just saying what, to us before about like a baseline and everybody knows offense and defense? Do you want to know the you know the in depth? of what a guy is going to produce at the coordinator position? Well, I would say this. You want to know the general philosophy. Hey, what are you based on? And what we always did, and, and unfortunately I had a, a, a lot of uh, experience with this because of my four years as a GM, I had four offensive coordinators and five defensive coordinators because halfway through the year we switched off defensive coordinators. But what, what you do is you sit down with that co- coordinator and all your scouting staff and say, let's go through your defense and give us the base philosophy. But more importantly, at each position, what are you looking for measurables and ability-wise and qualities that this player needs to have to function at the highest level to make your defense or offense perform at a level that will get us to a championship. So it's not really how he calls the plays or what, excuse me, what is happening and when he's checking or all of that stuff, but what do you need these players to produce at each single position in that offense or defense to have it clicking in all cylinders? When you look at uh, the combine, which is next week, Doug, uh, I think it's next week, right? Or it's it's coming up here. Um, as a general manager, what are all the general managers and scouts? Are they meeting all this week to kind of put together a list of guys that they really want to take a look at? Or is it just kind of a thing of where you're going to go take a look at everybody? So here's how we did it. And it was even in Pittsburgh and I took it to Buffalo you have two sets. You have the college guys, and the college guys are really starting to put together a list of the guys they want to have in the interview room, the guys they want to have the assistant coaches that they're not going to be in that dedicated interview room. I think it's 15 minutes every night, and then you get a total of like 90 of those guys. You got the other guys where you want your assistant coaches, and they used to call it the train station, can do the informal interviews. And then you start going through list of guys that maybe that you have a, uh, a wide range of grades. One guy may have them in the third round. Another guy may have them in the seventh round. Okay, let's get those list of guys together and then really put, uh, uh, pay attention to them in not only in the interview process, but also when they're doing the, um, their drills on the field. On the pro side, you're looking at, okay, we're looking at free agency. Let's look at our targeted positions. Let's look at these, and then we're going to have uh, free agency meetings and start ranking those guys. So when you go to the combine, the ones that are at the top of your list of the targeted positions that you think you have a shot at, you're arranging meetings with their agents to see where their range of pay is. So you can say, okay, we're in on this guy because their range is 3 to $5 million or 10 to $12 million, and we have that room. Or guess what? They have so many offers and we're not in on him. So we can adjust our focus to someone else. So there, there, there's two schools of thought. you got the pro side and the college side, but it's all really generating that game plan to be able to execute once the league year starts. When we come back, uh, two more quarterback options to throw at you. 
uh, Doug. And Ray Fittipaldo says the Steelers aren't interested in signing Deontay Johnson to an extension. I think that begs an obvious question. We'll get to that. If you have any questions for Doug, you can text us 412-928-9370. Brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. You can tweet us. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia in Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Wednesday with Doug Whaley live at Studio B, Bowser Chevrolet in Monroeville. Doug Whaley with us the full hour. Fan Morning Show is brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. All right, Doug, I don't want to bog everything down with quarterback talk, but I'm going to throw two more names at you. You ready for this? Let's do it. We may have done this last week, but I have a newborn at home, so my brain's kind of falling out my ears. Russell Wilson. Chad Johnson says he's been told Russell Wilson's going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. I believe they're now the betting favorite to land Russell Wilson. Do you see a, a fit there? Depends on what you want to do. I mean, for me, I look at it this way. Russell Wilson, this will be his third team in the third in three years. Seattle gives him up for Drew Locke, goes to Sean Payton, one of the arguably top five offensive minds in the last decade, and he's given up on him. And you're going to bring him to – and I'm nothing disparaging against Arthur Smith, but he's not known as a super innovative offensive mind, and he's going to come here and resurrect his career. So if you're looking for a stopgap older guy that is on his way down uh, just because you can get him on the cheap, sure, that's fine. But how does that help you get you to your ultimate goal? So for me is how does this help you really in bringing in Russell Wilson propel your team to take that next step? I don't know if his game is at that level that he can still get them past what Kenny Pickett could do right now because he's going on the opposite way. You know, right now, Kenny's leveled off or we're hoping he's going to have a trajectory still pointing up, but we know Russell Wilson's trajectory is going down. So that's, to me, would stunt the, the, the growth of the team. Uh, so I, I'm not that excited, but I can see where people could connect, connect the dots. Maybe he can come here and, and, and get you one or two more wins and get you in the playoffs. But is he at that level that can get you to the standard? And that, that's where I keep coming back to. So right. that doesn't excite me, but I understand where people can connect those dots. Yeah, for me, I mean, he hasn't gotten along with the last two coaching staffs. And reportedly, you know, his, his teammates haven't always been a huge fan over the years. And you'd bring him in, I guess, to compete with Kenny Pickett. I, I think there would be massive division there. It'd be a huge problem. And then what are you really looking at? You talk about the ultimate goal, Doug. I mean, on the field, I think he'd be an improvement for one or two years, but does that really, does that do anything for the future? No, and I think that's part of this as well. All right, how about this guy as a backup option? Another name floated, this time by Rich Eisen, Jimmy Garoppolo. You, it, to me, as a backup, I'd rather have Ryan, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, you're talking about a guy coming off a PED expense that's going to have a suspension, coming off a suspension. What does that entail? If he's getting really suspended for those, that means he's probably failed one or two additional tests. It's just not one test that you get suspended. So to, And then you add into his injury history, I would rather go with a Ryan Tannehill because you get the added benefit of him being really immersed into the offensive system and can be that, that extra coach on the field, in the classroom, and all of that stuff. So give me Tannehill over Jimmy G. 
Let's go a different position. Let's go wide receiver. Tyler Boyd as the third option uh, for the Steelers at wide receiver. He's a free agent. To me, you say a third option. If Tyler Boyd comes in, to me, you got him Him and Pickens one and two, and then you can move Deontay Johnson in the slot, and he could be a three. So wow. I'm thinking, and you put those guys in a bunch situation. So heck yeah, man, bring him in. That gives extra options for Kenny Pickett, and it helps. You should start surrounding Kenny Pickett with so much talent that he has to raise his level of game up or they help him raise his level of game up. So hometown guy coming in. And then here's the most important part. It decreases the potency of your divisional rival. So you're hurting them and strengthening your, your team. Absolutely. Bring them in. We would love that move. Well, let's stick with wide receiver then for a moment here, Doug. Ray Fittipaldo was on with us earlier. He says he doesn't believe the Steelers are interested in signing Deontay Johnson to a contract extension. A, do you agree with that little piece of business by the Steelers if they're not interested? And B, if that's the route they're going to take, would you listen for any offers on Deontay so he doesn't just walk at the end of the year and you get nothing? No, I I think... To me, obviously, and I always put this caveat there, I don't know what's going on inside that building because there could be some things we're not privy to. But from the outside looking in, I would not sign him to a contract extension. I would let him play out what he's got, and I would look for a wide receiver in the draft or free agents. The last thing you want to do, and I've said this before as a GM, is to make a move where you have no move after that. You want to be able to say, this move sets me up to have options for a second move. And if, to me, letting him play out the string sets you up and brings in a wide receiver, then you have options as in, okay, we, that doesn't preclude us to signing him to an extension next year. It doesn't preclude us to trading him during the offseason or during the year. It gives you more options. If you sign him to an extension now, then all that cap money, if you do want to move on from them or someone gives you a, a legitimate trade offer, you're going to get hammered by dead money in the, in, in, against the cap. So I'd let them play it out. Also, I, that it's that carrot out there to say, Deontay, you're on your last year of your deal. You need to play not only for us, but for you. So you may get that best Deontay you can out of them doing that way. And in the middle of the year, if you drafted a guy or signed a guy and you're like, hey, you know what? We got an extra piece. Then you trade them and you can maximize your trade value then. How, how many trades I or are, uh, you know, basically made impossible because of what you're talking about, the, the salary cap implications and the money part of it. How many, how, how difficult can it be to make trades uh, of people that are on existing rosters with, with, you know, contracts? It, it all depends on how far it all depends on the contract structure. If they, if they backloaded a lot of that, that money, then it gets a little difficult. Uh, but if they kind of the way the Steelers have structured contracts where the, the signing bonus is amortized equally throughout the, the, the length of the contract, it's not as difficult. But with the way they, these cap guys are and the, these money men are, you can really sponge some of those monies and be able to make it. It really comes down to the team that is trading the player away. Do they have the cap space to absorb the dead money? And what will that 
will it hamper them to be able to function if they trade them? So it's more not on the trading team, but it's the team that is trading the player. Doug, I want to talk to you about your free agency and NFL draft philosophy and then how you might apply that to the Pittsburgh Steelers and what they might be looking at in both of those different regards. We'll do that coming up next. Wednesday with Doug Whaley. We are live. Bowser Chevrolet, Studio B in Monroeville. Doug out in Texas. Doug, you're always in a place where I'm jealous about the weather. Like every single time. You're, doing, you're probably by a pool right now drinking a cold one, aren't you? Uh, not yet. It's kind of early, but it is going to be 80 degrees today. So uh, by happy hour, I will be with my toes in the water for show. Doug, if you were a GM right now of a, of an NFL franchise, how much extra stress would be on you? What would what would you be thinking about right now? Do you make a big board of free agents that you would be interested in? You make a you start making a your big board. I know Paul asked a question about that with the NFL Combine. Like what goes into being a GM and in the front office this time of year, right before the Combine starts? Oh, this is your game time. This is the exciting time because during the year, so. The way you look at it is during the football season, you kind of set back and you are a support staff to the coaches and coaching staff. What's going on now? What do you need? Injury replacements, upgrades here, upgrades there. You're supporting whatever the head coach is driving. Now is the offseason is when the coaching staff really supports the scouting staff to say, okay, let's get together. What is the philosophy of what we need to forge ahead and get better. So right now you're looking, like I said before, we're looking at here are the targeted positions in free agency we need to go after. Let's have free agency meetings of the guys that are going to be free agents. Which ones do we like? Let's rank them. But more on our team compared to the guys at that position. Get those targeted guys. Let's start talking to their agents at the combine to see if we have a chance to be in the ballpark to sign them. On the college side, like, okay, let's start looking at those top guys that we need more information on. Let's look at the guys that weren't highly rated, but somebody on a scouting staff that went out this fall really liked them. Let's get more eyes on those guys. So it's a really nice mix of off uh, pro side, college side, really putting that piece together, not only because of the, the – the salary cap and where you have to go moving there to make sure you have enough room or if you had a lot of room you want to be judicious in signing players but also looking at who do you want to extend on your own roster so this is the most exciting part it's almost like training camp for a coaching on the personnel side so this is it's not stress it's what you sign up to do and and to me i hope you can hear in my voice this is the exciting time I, i really love this time of the year Doug, I assume that most scouts in the NFL aspire to be a GM at some point. How How is the dynamic of being a scout and selling the GM uh, on a, a certain guy? Because, you know, that is kind of the ladder from just my recollection of just kind of how everything's structured. The ladder is, okay, like, you know, you're a scout, you're a pro scout, you're a director of player personnel, and then you're a GM, but you have to climb that ladder some way. So as a scout, I would assume that it's like, I like this guy so much, and that guy gets drafted, that guy ends up being a, an all-pro, and that's kind of how you move the ladder in some respects. But what is that dynamic between, hey, like, I'm a young scout, I'm a college scout, 
and I need to sell this guy from, you know, maybe even a D2 college for us to draft in the fourth round to the GM. And how is that received whenever you're a GM? You have to have your facts straight. I mean, you have to be really on point of what you like about this guy and what that player can bring to the organization. And more importantly, have that knowledge of, like I was telling you before, the offensive coordinator says, hey, in my system, I like running backs to be able to do this, 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 and that. So as a college scout, you're thinking, okay, that's what he likes. I just saw this guy at Bloomsburg. I, he, he fits three out of those four characteristics. But more importantly, when you talk about us getting him into a fifth or sixth round, I think he can be able to end up giving us a return on investment where he could be our second number two back if we don't sign Najee Harris and Jalen Warren's our guy. He could be our next Jalen Warren, but he can do special teams while he's doing so. You start throwing bits and pieces out there to show the value this player can have, but it also lets the GM know that, oh, he has been paying attention to not only our team, what our coordinators like, but how our, our team is built and looking at the future and what this guy can bring and fit into our, our roster, but more importantly, our game day roster. So knowing all those components of what a GM thinks about when he's talking about either signing a player or drafting a player, when you start getting that full macro scope as a scout, that's when you can really, as they say, stand on a table for a player and really a guy saying, okay, let's move him up a little bit. But you also have to do it in a professional way, knowing, hey, I'm giving you this information, and that's what you pay me to do, but ultimately it's your decision. But every once in a while, I would always, sometimes Kevin and I or Coach and I would disagree, or I would say, I think this guy's too low, but I would always say when before Kevin would put the pin down, which means he put the final grade on, I'd say, before you put the pin down, I just want to be on record as saying blah, 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 blah. And I used to always love it. He'd be like, duly noted. And then you say, hey, you, you said your piece. Now, then I would say any aspiring scout, this is my advice to you guys. When you start looking at your grades, don't grade yourself on how the player got drafted that first year, where he got drafted. And, and Bill Nunn, Hall of Fame scout, used to always say, you really grade yourself three years after that draft class. Because in three years, you'll be able to tell how that player is played. Is he playing the exact same grade that you thought he would? Is he playing above that grade at a higher level or a lower level? And that's where you can really understand if you got that player right. And then the next part of that is then you start building your Rolodex. A true scout doesn't really feel comfortable about grading players till about five years into their tenure because then you have Rolodex and say, oh, I graded this guy as a first-round he went in the first round, but he is a backup now, so he should have been on like the fourth or fifth round. Or I had this guy the fourth, fifth round, got drafted there, but he's playing at a higher level. Now, the next time you see someone that reminds you of him, you feel more confident in saying, oh, I had him in the fourth round last year, last time, but this guy's probably a low first round, high second round. You feel more confident to put that grade on there and then give your report and stand on the table. So it takes time. Doug, when we come back, I want the the biggest guy that wound up being a good player where 
Colbert said to you, duly noted. I want th- I want that guy, whether whether it's a guy he listened on or a guy that wound up someplace else that you hit on that maybe he didn't. We'll do that next. Plus, I want to get your thoughts on what the Steelers' philosophy should be this offseason when we're talking about that word, Art Rooney, the second throws around urgency. 15-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Route 19 in Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Final segment, that's right, I said it, brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Reserve your consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com. And Wednesday with Doug Whaley, brought to you by A La Familia Restaurant's Blue Pearl Cigar Lounge, the perfect way to cap off your evening at A La Familia. All right, Doug, I want to jump off where we left things off in the last segment, and we are short on time here, so sorry about that. Who's a guy that you pounded the table for that either – Worked out someplace else Kevin Colbert didn't listen to you on or a guy that you told Kevin, hey, man, you got to take this guy. You got to bring this guy in. And it did work out. Uh, no, I'll, I'll go this way. And, and the reason why and after I tell you a story, this is I want to preclude it this way. When I talk, when I interview scouts, I don't want scouts to say, I got this guy right. I got this guy right. I want to know the guys that they got wrong and what they learned from it. So the guy that I would say I pounded at the table, but just said, hey, Kevin, I think this guy's a little too high. I don't see it. He sent me to Tennessee one year to work out a tight end. The tight end was Jason Witten. I came back and I said, hey, Kevin, everybody has got this guy in the first round. I just don't see it. I don't think he's quick enough. He's a crafty guy that knows how to get open. I just don't see how this is going to transcend to the NFL with guys that are much faster, much quicker, much bigger, much stronger. I just don't see it. And he looked, and and I remember they put him in at like the bottom of the first round. And I said, before he put the pin down, I said, I'm just on record. I don't see it. And to this day, he said, yeah, you don't know anything about tight ends because you didn't like Jason Witt. So <laughs> that was the one I pounded the table on. It was completely wrong. So uh, he still lets me know about it today. Doug, this was fun. I wanted to ask you what the Steelers should do this offseason in a very pointed way, but we'll save it for next Wednesday when you're on for an hour. Thanks, man. A question for you guys next next hour, next sec, next week, excuse me, as well, <laughs> but it's not a football question. I love it. We'll text. Good. We'll text right. you, Doug. We'll be All in right. touch. Sounds Have good. fun in Texas. That's Doug Whaley. We'll talk to him next Wednesday. Up next, the Joe Show. I'd like to thank Bowser Chevrolet uh, for having us out here at Studio B here in Monroeville. Always fun when we come out here. Yes, it is. Always. Always fun. We'll, we'll do it again tomorrow. I That's guess. right. We got Joe Starkey coming up next. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. Today, might drive home with the windows down. High 57.